Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Sima Hafa from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, fresh from Gay Paris. Fresh from Gay Paris. May we. May we, may we. So you went last night to, to Paris. To Emily in Paris. To Emily. Premiere. Premiere. Of Emily in Paris with the lovely Candice Bushnell, who yes. regular listener yes. will know. Yes. Contributor from Sex and the City. Yes. And we had a ball. Because Emily in Paris is basically a French Sex and the City for millennials, isn't it? It is slightly, yes. It is. Because it's, it's a, all about a you know sassy chick. Sassy chick. I mean, the costumes are to die for. They're incredible. So there's that sort of idea. Also, the producer is the same, Darren Starr. Oh, that's right. Darren Starr is the guy who's done every single show that you've always loved secretly, Mm. Mm. like Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, yes. Melrose Place. Yes. And he did Sex and the City. Yes. And he's behind and just like that, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he is a genius. Yes. And the nicest man in the world. Yes. So there was lots of champagne. And Lily Collins was wearing a dress. Really horrible brown dress. It's so bizarre. Also... Weirdly, really strange dress. Yes. Also, she's obviously very slim. So this is the sort of thorax dress. Yes. Which I actually, weirdly, the costume designer has obviously decided that's the motif for the series because all her dresses are cut out at the front. Right. Below the bust right. and to the belly button. Okay, so you, so the bit, so the ribs, basically. Thorax, ribs, I suppose. Yeah, but that's where all my fat is. That would be a disaster know, for me. me. That's all that, I'm is thinking. That, that's just saying I'm really slim. Well, that's what, that's oh, what I can is. show you this part of my body, yes. which is normally the fattest part of anyone's, anyone's body. body. Yes, the lungs, basically. Mm. But she's like a little wisp of a girl. Yes. Now, I didn't like the dress. It was brown, brown. which I think is never a good colour for no. a premiere. No. And also it just looked a bit like it was made out of old socks. Yeah, well, she, I mean, she's she's about the only person in the world who could pull that off, yes. frankly. There was an awful lot of handsome Frenchmen around. Were they? Were they all smoking? They were all smoking. So obviously I became friendly with all of them very quickly. Did you do a lot of smoking accidentally? I did quickly, yes. I accidentally started smoking again, having not had cigarettes for a very long time. Yes, suddenly I became all French. And, uh, and I almost had a bear. Was there on. any food at all? Oysters. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Plates of oysters. That's not exactly going to line your stomach, is it? No, but that's my favourite thing in the world. Mm. Anyway, so that was fun and there were lots of nice Frenchmen. So I had a lovely time. And you're back and that's it. That's your 24 hours of glamour. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's it for the rest of the year. Over and done. Yes. With. Well, we have a packed show. We do. <laughs> no, we don't have a packed show at all. We've got two things happening. One of them is food. Oh, good. Coming up on today's show, we'll be speaking to Will Torrent, one of Waitress's top chefs, about how he comes up with new flavours and will be tasting some of his most exciting new creation. But first, Alec Kishishin set new benchmarks when he made the Madonna documentary Truth or Dare. And his new film, Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me, looks set to do the same. It documents a six-year period of the actress and singer's life, including her struggles with mental health and the championing of more open discussion of the subject. Here's a clip from the trailer. Just be who you are, Selena. No one cares about what you're doing. It's about who I am. Being okay with where I am. I am grateful to be alive. Selena Gomez was diagnosed with lupus, depression, and anxiety. She had a mental breakdown. Let me make a promise. I am going to stop living like this. How do I learn how to breathe my own breath again? The director of Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me, Alec Kishishin, joins us now. Hi, Alec. Hello, guys. How lovely Hi. to s- hear your voice. It's- 
amazing to, I think the Americans say reconnect. Reconnect. With you after all those years. Because I remember reconnect. when... Reconnect. Yes, mm. reconnect. I remember when you were, when we were all young mm. and you were running around London with Madonna having done her documentary. Yes. And here you are again. Yes. Another pop star. Yes. Another documentary, but very different this time. Also, might I add that this one took six years for you to do, Alec. And there was quite a lot That's of... Right conversation and I never thought you'd actually finish it so hats off because it's extraordinary I saw it on Monday night by the way everyone thought I was kidding I know when I would tell them I'm still working on it they were like what 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 is this fantasy movie you're making so but I saw it on Monday night and I thought it was absolutely extraordinary I actually did have a quiet cry in the darkness yeah, watching and it she is an extraordinary character so tell mm. us a bit about your documentary because mm. you know you'll explain it better than either of us the movie is basically a six-year journey with her on her life. Mm. And it started in 2016 when she asked me to do a music talk of her tour, and I tried to talk her out of that. But we did shoot for a couple of weeks before deciding mutually the timing wasn't right because, you know, she really was going through a lot, and I felt exploitative to be filming excessively then. And then in 2019, she reached out to me. She had just come out of a mental facility. She had had a psychotic break. Mm. And she wanted me to shoot her trip at the end of the year to Kenya. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. I said, but let's shoot a few days in Los Angeles now. Let's see what your life is like. And we did. And it kind of snowballed into this much larger kind of journey that was able to use some of the footage from 2016 and then kind of bring her all the way to 2021 just before she did her Hulu show, Only Murders in the Building. I loved Only Murders in the Building. Mm -hmm. It was really funny. I loved it. But what's so interesting is it's this extraordinary portrait of, you know, of fame in its rawest form. What a child star. Yeah. Yes. And about the dark side of that. And mm. I think it's kind of interesting juxtaposed to Truth or Dare, because in Truth or Dare, obviously, I was so young myself. Mm. And it kind of shows the fun side of fame, so to speak. Mm. And Madonna is a character who just embraced her stardom. Mm. And I would always say about Selena, she's the most reluctant pop star I've ever met. Mm. She really just doesn't like any of the trappings of fame. The thing about Madonna is that she created herself as an adult, didn't she? Mm. Whereas, you know, she That's deliberately right. set out to become mm. this person, you know, rather like Lady Gaga or any of those. But mm. in, in Selena's case, she was, you know, she started in the Disney club at the age of 10. She's a bit more like Britney, isn't she? In yeah. the sense that she was sort seems of to be very damaging that, that club, actually. Don't you think, Alec, that club seems to be quite I, 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 damaging? I think it's very damaging, you know, mm. I think. I think it's very difficult to go through childhood and especially then puberty mm. in the full glare of the media. Mm. Yeah, I think it really takes a toll. Mm. But that's a very correct observation. Madonna was 34 when I made it. Selena, yeah. you know, started at seven. You were the child star. <laughs> <laughs> he was Help the child please. star. How much time did you actually spend with her on a sort of day-to-day -day basis? And how much was sort of pre-planned or did you just rock up? And I mean, it seems sort of Sarah and I have both written, we're both journalists and you know, I've written biographies before. Mm. It's quite difficult to work out what your parameters are and how much time you're going to spend on a project. I mean, tell me a bit about your process. 
in this case, you know, especially initially, I would just say like, hey, is it okay if I shoot for a couple of days? Then I'd look at her schedule mm. and I'd say, oh, that looks like an important day for us to be shooting. But then there were a lot of days where I'd be like, oh, great, she's off today. We'll just mm. hang out and mm. see what what goes on in her life. But it's cinema verite, so it isn't as planned as some of the current crop of music docs where they maybe shoot for three weeks. We shot for well over a year, almost, you know, two, three times a week. And then in 2020, when COVID hit, you know, I had her assistant shoot, and then we would do some remote shooting to get through that year as well. Mm. So it is cinema verite. We, sh we shoot a lot. We plan a little. Did you develop a relationship with her? Because, I mean, you've been spending so much time with her. Mm. Did it become a friendship? You get the sense in the film that you feel a bit paternalistic mm. towards her. Absolutely. You develop a relationship. And some of what I got was based on the fact that I think by the end, I mean, she called me kind of her de facto therapist a mm. lot of times in some of those bigger scenes and talking to her first before I start shooting, you know, like that scene, she gets off stage at the final dress rehearsal and she's mm. in tears and mm. I spent 10 minutes with her. Mm. I was the first person talking to her and comforting her. Likewise, later in the lupus flare up, it's just me and her. And she says, I want you to film this. So by that point, we had developed such trust mm. that she trusted me and she trusted in what I was trying to do with the doc. So mm. I remember meeting her once. I once was, when I was, years ago, when I was arts editor, I was invited to some, one of those sort of things and I sat next to her at mm. a dinner. Oh, did you? And she was very young. I think yeah. she was about 16 at the time, mm. possibly even younger. Oh my Lord. And felt really sorry for oh, her. Really? Because there she was, this tiny little thing. Mm. Really pretty, really sweet, lovely, dressed uh, sort of absurdly, practically <laughs> naked. No. And she felt oh. she looked so fragile mm. and so sort of lost. You know, she was, it was really ugly, Alex. She was surrounded by all these kind of horrible old men mm. in the music industry. Do you know what I mean? There was, she was like a sort of pretty little bird. And then everywhere else, it was yes. sort of middle-aged men with sort of sweaty top lips. I felt really yeah. bad for her at so, the time. Yeah. Do, do you think there's a lot of other people, because you, you, you catalogue this breakdown in her life, do you think there are a lot of other people who should have a little look at themselves as mm. to whether they contributed to this? You know, it's a complicated situation, and certainly in the film, I'm not trying to point fingers. Mm. Um, but yes, I think that there are a lot of people who need to look at themselves, even fans to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be a loud group and they're supposed to be your fans, but they can be very torturous mm. in terms of their demands on mm. their stars mm. and whatever. And we do forget there are human beings underneath mm. these personas. That are there's an appalling scene, actually, in the documentary, which is, so there's an incredible journey where, where she goes to Africa and she is almost like a sort of meditation on life lessons. It's mm. quite extraordinarily beautiful. Yes. And she comes back really reinvigorated to sort of look at her life again and she gets purpose into her mm. life. And then she comes to London and she has, it's excruciating actually, and as a journalist I find it really uncomfortable to mm. watch, the fatuous questions that she's asked <laughs> Alec. I mean, honestly, what's your favourite colour? What do you want to do? What's your favourite dress? What do you have for breakfast? I mean, and it yeah. goes on What's your and weirdest on, food on, combination? On. 
Yes, I mean it's <laughs> extraordinary, and it's and the poor girl, you can see her face. Mm. It just her will to live mm-hmm. is slowly straining away. straining away in front of you. Yeah. So I do think the yeah. media has also has quite a lot of skin in this game and in building people up and taking them down again. We're living in a soundbite society, mm. so I feel for the journalists too. They're all trying to find that pop. They're probably been told by their producers, you know, we want this quick game. Everyone's Mm. trying to play. They think they're doing something new, but then what you realize is all those questions are equally fatuous, as you Mm. said, and they're just looking for that quick bite that'll show up for 10 seconds on an Instagram feed or, a, you know, and the questions became progressively more surreal. I really, at one point, you hear me say in the elevator, those were some weird-ass questions. Yes, Because yes. they're all yeah. the same. It was so all, bizarre. Them are... <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem yeah, is with like, the modern media is they're all just chasing hits. That's the issue. Yes, and they're trying chasing to catch likes. That's and right. They're trying to get a, a line that they're, gonna, they're trying to get something that's going to go viral. That's the issue. Mm. And I think that is extremely wearing for people in that position. But I think if you're in the industry at the age of 10, as she did, mm. you don't make decisions as an adult. You make decisions as a child. And so you're constantly on the back foot. Mm. And she is always on the back foot, isn't she? Because she hasn't shaped her life at all. It's been shaped for her. Like I say, it's like Britney Spears and to an extent a bit like... Timberlake. Justin Timberlake, yeah. These Disney kids. Mm. He got out relatively unscathed. I think it's mm. the women, mm. especially, who have a problem. Mm. Because for women, it's doubly difficult. They, you know, they really are put into hair and makeup. And you mm. see her, she can barely keep her eyes open. And there's this gaggle of people around her dressing her, or redoing her hair, all that other, you know, aesthetic thing that has to be done on top of everything else Mm. where by the time she says I feel like a product Mm. like no one's actually listening to anything I have to say Mm. yeah it feels like a violation of her physically as well I just felt that that there was a line in the film when she said I wish I was a man so that I could just wear some jeans and a shirt on stage do you remember that line she said I wish I really wish I was a bloke as yet again she's being squeezed into some sort of tiny sequin outfit and there's a very very funny bit in the film where she talks about her vagina if you remember right yeah. at the beginning yeah, like, <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments i'm glad i'm glad you got the humor of that, <laughs> oh, that was so what funny. is wrong with all my costumes have issues with their crotch what does that say about me <laughs> that didn't end up in the film but it was this repeated situation where she's ha- and she's having to scrutinize Every Everything. little inch of her own body. Yeah. Yeah. You know? She's going, this is going up my vagina. I can't be dancing <laughs> yeah. with it because someone's <laughs> going to take a photograph and they'll see it. That's yeah. right. And, yeah. And, and the idea that you have to literally move around a full 360 and sort of bend over in every single angle to work out if there's going to be a bad shot of you. I mean, yeah. it's so, but, but so yes. distressing. And to be 24 years old and, yeah. and kind of yeah. chopping your own body up like that. Yeah. Like, you know, at one point when she says like, I don't have the ass I want. I look like a 12-year-old boy. boy and yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. frustrated. And your heart breaks. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. at the end of the day, so many of the young girls are dealing with that constant barrage these days on social media mm. about what their body's meant to look like. Mm. And it's, mm. you know, it's horrific. Has she seen the film, Alec? She has. She's seen the film. Mm. She kept coming back to re-see the film initially. Mm. And it was like, I, it was almost like, okay, don't see it again <laughs> because Gosh. you're getting 
more and more nervous. But then once the film came out, she saw it once with a group of young people who suffer from mental challenges. Mm. And I think when she saw their reaction, she kind of, you know, let out a breath and kind of exhaled and was like, Mm. okay, this is worth my opening up like this if mm. it's helping these people. I mean, it's um, interesting. But no, she it's does interesting not sit because, through it. But, <laughs> no. It's interesting because we're talking against the background of another massive documentary that's about to drop. Oh, yes. Harry and Meghan. Oh, yes. And, yes. I, and I just think, I just I look at someone like Selena Gomez and I get why she's had a nervous breakdown. I mm. completely understand it. Oh, it's, I, can you know, I just I, say, it's a very heartbreaking yeah. watch. It's extraordinary. I think you bring us in and uh, it's amazing. So, yeah, sorry, I just but, no, say but that. I just think it's interesting that the documentaries, I mean, this documentary that, will, you know, the Harry and Meghan documentary mm. will no doubt be incredibly How many powerful. hours is it? Six hours. Six half hours. A day of them complaining about, their, <laughs> about not having enough tiaras and oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are levels of... Something. I'm sure we'll learn something but, fascinating. But it's interesting that the documentary is still such a, in fact, probably never more than before, such a powerful medium That's in true. an age of social media. Because mm. you'd have thought, Alec, that people would just film themselves as they do on Instagram and that your job would be sort of obsolete. But it's not because I think there's something about the way you curate these things that is quite important. I mean, you're telling a story from your point of view as much as anything else, aren't you? Well, absolutely. And one of the reasons I have shied away from doing documentary is because I do think a lot of documentaries on pop figures are basically extended social media mm. because they are so controlled by the subject mm. that there isn't really room for the director. And I was very lucky in both my documentaries that I worked with two brave women who surprisingly did not come into my edit room, did not wow. try to control the lens through which I saw them. And hmm. I always, I said to Selena, I said, I will probably make connections that you may not be able to make yourself and to tell the story in a different way than you might have or a director completely under her control might have. So I know what you're saying about social media. It's one of the reasons why I go, is, is there any space for documentary? And most of the time there isn't with a pop star because they're being so tightly managed by mm. management, by themselves, by their own vanity, by, you know, wanting to get a certain thing across. But Selena didn't have that. Mm. And I think that's why the documentary works on a, an emotionally truthful level rather than just, you know, kind of like spin. Mm. Do you miss her, having spent so much time with her? I love her. I mean, Mm. I will always love her. I fall in love with my subjects. You know, she's 30. I'm I'm in my 50s. So (laughs) it's not like, you know, I'm not going to go to, what are those called? Panic rooms, which is one of (laughs) her favorite things, or whatever they're called, those escape rooms. Yeah. You know, but when I see her, it's like seeing my little sister or something. Mm. I feel very protective over her and um, love her a great deal. Well, it's an amazing documentary. Well, you can't marry her because my son is going to marry her. Oh, okay. Oh. He's so madly Listen, in love I with her. I think she's single. He's only he's eighteen. Alec, he's a baby, but he's, he's been 18. in love with Selena Gomez since he was about. Four. Oh no, but she goes out with younger men. That comes out. That comes out of <laughs> the documentary. Was, Do you remember that, that line, Alec? That was, Alec. That was one of my favorite moments <laughs> yeah. in the in the doc. We're in the middle of Kenya, and yeah. friend Raquel says Selena likes younger men. <laughs> it's genius. It's genius. She can see her blushing. 
watching. And everyone's looking <laughs> yes. at her. Yeah, it's brilliant. What's great is they don't even know the Justin reference she's making. Right. Yes. Know, in Kenya. <laughs> I know, it's very funny. The Kenyan bit was fabulous as well. Did you really enjoy being there? I mean, that must have been quite magical for you as well. It was life-changing for me. And by the way, the Kenya bit was the hardest to edit down because mm. there's a whole movie just in Kenya with these remarkable, remarkable girls. Each one of those girls you see, Extraordinary you know, I women, did interviews yeah. with, and they're incredible. And what they show you is not only are they, by and large, so happy in their lives, but their entire mentality is about sharing the gifts that they're getting with mm. their community. Mm. You talk to them and all they want to do is go back to their community and share the gift that they've been given with education. Mm. And yeah, it does make you really check your privilege mm. and really go, wait a second, there's a lot more I should be doing. Thank you very much for talking to us about it. You should all watch it. Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me. Can't recommend it enough. It's... Uh, you know, I did have a proper cry. So yeah, but to be fair, you cry at anything. Oh, that is true. <laughs> I'm an easy weeper, but I really did love it. I loved it. You know, Alec, I loved What's it. What's your next thing, Alec? What's yeah. you working on now? I don't know. We'll see. Give the man a get the man a lie down, Sarah. Six know. years. I'm breathing. Again. Yes, he's <laughs> breathing, so, his kids yes. going to touch grass and look at the horizon for okay. a second. Okay, all right. Yes, yes. I'm hopefully have a drink with me. <laughs> Happy Christmas, yes. Alex. Thank yeah. you very Coming much. Coming up. Yeah. Happy Christmas to you. Lovely speaking to you. <laughs> Lovely Bye. to talk to you, darling. That was Alex Shishin, whose latest film, Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me, is available on Apple TV now. And what a voice, Imogen. I know. I know, isn't it delightful? Yes. I think you should do special tapes. Yes. You could Just read lullabies me. or read bedtime stories. <laughs> I know. That all sort of, sort of creepy horror. Yes. Very good voice. You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. As we record, Christmas is less than three weeks away. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> Almost over. Yes. <laughs> if you're worried about serving the same tired menu on Christmas Day, mm -hmm. then our next guest might have some helpful advice. Will Torrent is Waitrose's senior brand development chef mm. at Waitrose and Partners, and he joins us now. That's a lovely job to have. Isn't it just? Hello, Will. It is rather nice, yes. Can't complain. Do you do a lot of just eating, I imagine? <laughs> I mean, we're constantly tweaking our recipes, constantly mm. trying out new things from our producers and suppliers and just cooking things up that might be on trend, new ingredients, new techniques and um, experimenting with new ideas. So this Christmas, is there a sort of overall we're going blue or green or cheesy I'm just suggesting, having eaten some of the snacks that you've sent us. Is there, is there a Christmas trend? Is there year? a trend? Yes. I, I often get asked this because we at Waitrose, we work on Christmas all year round. Uh, mm. So, you know, from making mince pies in the height of summer, there are always kind of trends that come in and out. But the ultimate trend is that it's always classic Christmas with a twist. Mm. Oh, or up okay. to date using new ideas, new trend information, what mm. customers are after. We listen really closely to what our customers are telling us, what they like, what they're not so keen on. Mm. And hopefully what we can do is take that information along with trend information to make Christmas feel really special. 
And do they always want a turkey? Because I never want a turkey. What oh, so I, like, I like a turkey. I like a baked potato with what? some butter. What? And a nice bit of smoked salmon. What? And some On Christmas Day. Pepper. On Christmas yes. Day? Yes. Is that it? Yes. That's what I like. Well. Oh. Well, you can't come round to my house. <laughs> well, actually, actually, guess what? I'm not coming around to yours. That Christmas, which you, Imogen once had a Christmas in Ibiza, mm. where for some reason, owing to a series of complicated mishaps, she had to have pork pie for Christmas. Pork pie on my that? lap. That was it. It was quite miserable, I have to say, Will. You'd have been mostly disappointed. Oh, it's not sounding great. <laughs> it was a terrible Christmas. Hopefully, we can make that a little bit better. We've got everything from turkeys to alternative meats. Ducks are kind of really risen in, in that kind of Duck popularity over, over the festive period. Oh. Um, with amazing beef joints as well. So yes. we've got everything, really, as well as all the vegan side as well, which has hugely grown in popularity over the last few years as well. Mm. We've got some of your food here. Mm. So I have a slight bone to pick with you, Will, because I just want to say cheese to you. So some of us don't like cooked cheese. Oh, is that it? Is that the reason? I hate cooked cheese. So my idea of culinary hell is a Parmesan crisp. Oh my God, that's nothing I like more. (laughs) Well, Sarah and I have almost had a mud wrestle before you came on air because we were given in a delicious slice the cheesy panettone. Oh yes, our savoury panettone. Yeah, you see, I thought it was delicious and I'm salivating slightly thinking about it. Sarah thought it was the devil's work. The devil's work. (laughs) Yeah. The That's devil's work. But I have to say, I have been ordering from Waitrose, because I do get my shopping from Waitrose, I have been ordering your chocolate panettone, which oh. is delicious. I can recommend that. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, listeners. that's that's the thing. We we want to have products that resonate with different types of customers as well. You know, not everyone's going to like a, a savoury panettone or, or a Heston cheese mince pie, mm. but actually it creates conversation around the table. And that's what Christmas is about. Well, I have to say, Imogen's eaten almost all of her Heston's mince pie and most of mine. Yes, I have. So the Heston mince pie. But do you have it with cream? No, you can't have a Heston's cheese mince pie with cream. No, it's it's that kind of when we were when we were coming up with the idea of it with Heston and his team, we were kind of thinking about what's the ultimate topping for a classic mince pie. So you're either going to go for brandy butter, Mm. extra thick brandy cream, Mm. or maybe just ice cream, clotted cream. Mm. I mean, you could have all of them at the same time if you wanted to. Mm. But for a cheese mince pie, mm. what's our alternative topping going to be? And we've we've paired it this year with Heston's Tipsy Potted Stilton. So a very oh. classic Christmassy oh, well. type product, Potted Stilton. <laughs> we've whipped that up uh, with Pedro Jimenez Sherry, lovely little red onion chutney on the top. Oh, and stop it, Will. Stop it. This is very much an Imogen Christmas because I'm not on board with Sarah, any of that. Literally, Sarah's mouth's gone dry. Yes. The idea. <laughs> uh, but I've actually just had some of that and it's actually rather delicious. Can I ask you, is it very good when it's warm? Oh, yes. <laughs> they are. things are very good they when are. they're warm, aren't mm. they? Sure. Very good when it's warm. And also back to the panettone. Can you toast that and put like Marmite on it? Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for Marmite. I mean, one of the things that we've been we've been kind of I've really uh, thought about that, haven't I? <laughs> I mean cheesy yeah. panettone with Marmite. Oh my god, I couldn't think of any better. I'm sorry, but the world I mean it's this is end I of days. I am going to get loads no, of this those. Is end of days. No, my in my house that is going to go down a storm, I tell you. Breakfast, cheesy panettone, toasted. Butter, marmite, job done. Let's take it up a gear. Christmas morning. Yeah. Toasted savoury panettone mm. and eggs royale. So smoked salmon. Oh, Sarah. A little bit of wilted spinach, a poached egg and some beautiful hollandaise. 
that is what we're talking about for Christmas breakfast. Better than a brioche. I do, I'm, I, we have lions on Christmas. Oh, we're, we're Christmas rebels in our house. Do you know, she doesn't get out of her pyjamas well. <laughs> no, I mean, there's no, I, almost, there's no festivity. No, I do, because I have to walk the dog. Oh, that's true. That's but true. Base, no, we, we do. We, everyone has a lion. Everyone gets up when they're ready. Then my son has an Actimel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy Christmas. But you're slaying it round your house. Do you have a sherry at the very least? Wake up sherry. Can I recommend no, that in the morning? Tea. Oh, great tea. Wake up sherry. Mm. Okay. Yes. I think this is this is sounding perfect. I mean, the other thing is, is to go mm. for a Christmas Day brunch. You know, ah. they're the kind of things that, you know, eat dinner a little bit later yes. in the yes. afternoon. No, no, I do that. No, I'm actually Christmas joking. That's what, that's, what, that's what we do. We actually, yes. we get up. Five o'clock, supper, we, we have, lunch, we have breakfast, sort of, whatever it is. Usually sort of 3.30 after Three, the Queen. After the Queen. After the King now. Oh, now the King, the king. Yes. 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 And when would you fit in this little chocolate orange oh, no, thing? The, no, no, can I just say that the Heston Christmas pudding <laughs> orange is lovely. Sarah's already I've, packed that I've away in her pan bag. <laughs> I've pickled that away yeah. quite but You can't have any more of that, Jones. It's delicious. It's quite nice. The, in the filling has got a little bit of mince pie in it, hasn't oh. it? Or something. Well, this, this kind of takes inspiration from one of Heston's like greatest hits at Waitrose, yeah. the hidden... The hidden orange Christmas pudding, and when we were kind of coming up with these new, these brainstorming ideas, and we literally sit in a room with a blank sheet of paper, and we just come up with these ideas, and that's mm. the kind of magic of Christmas at Waitrose, in a sense that we just went right. Well, that was Heston's hidden orange Christmas pudding. Mm. What would happen if we turned it round and put the Christmas pudding inside the orange? Mm. And we know that. Chocolate orange is always feels very Christmassy, you know, it, mm. whether it's in the bottom of a stocking or just a lovely confectionery treat. But how do we make it even better? So let's make it look like an orange. I think you should wrap it individually and sell them individually as little treats because you can only have two in a box. And if I had to, if I bought two, I would just eat two. Whereas if I just could it's only what you buy could just one, pop them down the pie hole at yeah. lunchtime. Pop one in at lunchtime. But also, the chocolate orange is nicely cut up for you. Which yes, is helpful. Absolutely. This is not. You have to cut it yourself or um, bite into it whole. The other thing with this is, yeah, you can have, you know, you could, you can have it as a dessert. You could have just a little kind of cut portion of it, but actually, it makes a delicious Christmas hot chocolate as well. Mm, I was just oh. wondering about that. Yes, I'm on board with this. What orange milk? Well, and that kind of, if you've got that chocolate in there, you've got a lovely kind of Christmas pudding chocolate ganache in the in mm, the middle. So you've got um, elements. Kind of through it, all of those kind of lovely mm. festive Christmassy spices that just warm the soul, and then that lovely orange chocolate as well. Mm. Is there anything you won't pimp? Well, <laughs> in terms of food, well, <laughs> what a personal question. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's everything. You know, if we took mince pies for example, you're always going to want a classic, yeah, uh, kind of short crust mince pie with mm. a delicious mince meat filling that is just going to make you feel super Christmassy and mm. super festive. You know, whether that's kind of early on in the season, kind of either mid-November or so on. But then you've got that kind of, let's make it a little bit more posh. We've, so we've got our number one brown butter mince pies. Uh, oh. They've got lovely kind of bernoisette pastry. So uh, where you brown the butter, giving it a lovely, mm. almost hazelnut type flavour. We've got a mincemeat that's been laced with cognac. Mm. You're not going to eat one of those every day. But if mm. you've got friends around or a special occasion, that is then when you start to think, actually, you can kind of see where we've kind of taken it up a gear. And then, of course, Mr. Blumenthal comes along and we start looking at different cheeses to go in puff pastry. Stop that. <laughs> um, I have to tell you, I do, I'm a great fan of your number one chocolate range. I like a chocolate. Great to hear. Yeah. I, mean, I like, that there's a sea salt for yet, I believe. What's that? Fillet. It's very poor. 
Foyotine. That's oh, it, right. which is absolutely delicious. Chocolate with a little bit of a biscuit in it. Oh, God, it's delicious. Yeah, oh, and a little case of sea salt as well. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And it's goodness. always sold out, Will. Yes, it's super popular. Because what happens is, is I get my Waitrose delivery and it's always substituted. Oh, I see. Yes, mm. we'll get Will to have a word with them. Yes. So, Will, what's, what's on your table then for Christmas? What have you chosen? I think she, Will's probably in a food coma by well, now. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> Will's just having a nil by mouth and some soup. I'm just having a jacket potato with beans <laughs> and cheese. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. No, we, uh, we're having a, a big, big family get-together, of course, this year. Obviously, Turkey will feature in some way. We tend to go for almost like kind of just loads of different cuts of meat. So we might mm. have one of our, our lovely beef joints. I think we might go for the Heston Festive Spiced Duck this year, which is a beautiful, easy carved duck. So you can mm. literally carve all the way through it up to oh. the legs. Actually, that's not a bad idea. My kids love ducks. Ice oh. with, um, but a mould hoisin. So if you imagine mm. kind of hoisin duck, Peking duck style duck, mm. you get all those lovely almost Christmassy spices in a hoisin. So we've mm. worked with Heston to bring all that together with lovely kind of oriental spice stuffing balls oh, as well. that sounds delicious, actually. That as the main centrepiece, but then we do an amazing slow-cooked turkey thigh in our slow-cooked range. So just having that as well. Yes, I noticed that there's a lot of slow-cooking around. Why is everyone going slow, do you think? Because it's nicer. It's the, the meat is lovely and, and sort of, you know... And if you're cooking, you may as well you yeah, know, do it for three hours I mean, as opposed is, is to two. Is that a big trend, Will, would you say? Yeah, definitely. We've seen slow-cooked as a part of our range grow tremendously over the last few years because mm. it actually it makes it easier for the customer to have beautifully moist meat mm. in a sense. And, you know, because if you think, well, turkey thigh or kind of ribs of beef are going to take a long time to cook. Well, our, we've worked with our suppliers and producers to take all of that hard work out of the customer's oven mm. we do it all for them and then what you get is beautiful tender turkey thigh with the gravy put all that together and we're starting to come up with an amazing christmas dinner but an even better boxing day turkey hash as well yes. oh. and do you have any recipes for air fryers i was about to say <laughs> can you put anything in an air fryer it's one of the, it's one of those amazing pieces of technology that no one can ignore um, one of my colleagues created a beautiful mold spice cookies baked in the air fryer with a no-churn Christmas pudding ice cream sandwich the other day. What? And it was divine. What? Yes. Were they drunk? (laughs) No. Just that amazing development. And just, it's kind of one of those, the other thing that that we've seen grow hugely, especially in the last year, is that kind of, not wanting to waste any food. So kind mm. of how do you, if you've got a bit of leftover Christmas pudding, mm. what can you do with it? Yes, you could make maybe some kind of thick pancakes with Christmas pudding kind mm. of crumbled to it. But actually a no-churn ice cream where you whip cream with condensed milk and then fold this leftover Christmas pudding, perhaps a little spoonful or two of marmalade in there, put that oh in the freezer, God. instant ice cream well, in the next hours. Honestly, <laughs> that sounds so good. And then you could have that on a mince pie. Absolutely. What about our lovely friends, the vegans? Because we must forget about them because they are, after all, saving the planet. There seems to be a layered mushroom parfait for them. We've got uh, an amazing team uh, within our product development team looking after our vegan ranges. And we've got the whole Christmas dinner this year. We've got vegan pigs in blankets, Mm. amazing vegan mince pies. I don't think you could tell that they're vegan. Mm. And this mushroom parfait that you mentioned is almost... She's just cracking it into it now. Lovely... Think pate, think vegan mushroom pate. Oh, it smells super delicious. Light, uh, super rich in flavour, lots mm. of uh, lovely flavours in there. Now, my wife is gluten and dairy intolerant. Um, she tried this the other day. 
and couldn't tell that it was vegan. Is it's it, very nice. Is there gluten-free options? Because I have lots of friends who are gluten-free. Do you? Yeah. yeah. So we've got a, a brilliant free-from uh, selection. We've got some award-winning free-from mince pies. Mm. We've got a beautiful, listen for this, a chocolate and orange brownie tart in our wow. free-from range. Now, if you heat that, maybe, ooh, five minutes in a warm oven, mm. the ganache slightly melts on the top, the brownie gets even more soft, a little bit of, I don't know, sorbet with that, delicious. Can you get a panettone? And if you're going to do a cheese panettone, which I would just like to reiterate <laughs> is the work of the devil, have you got a vegan one or a gluten-free one? We do have a delicious gluten-free panettone, just a little one. But again, it's, um, it's a favourite in the Torrent household with mm. my wife. Yeah. Will, talk me through the three bird pigs in blankets. Pigs in blankets. Yeah, yes. You have to have, you have to have yep. Christmas dinner with pigs in blankets. And, mm. and, and again, how do you take amazing sausage meat you know we've got amazing you know awards for our animal welfare when it comes to pork uh, etc but actually how do you make it a little bit different so again using different types of meat in there just making it really delicious lovely little flavors of herbs in there duck chicken just delicious but again it's that it's that familiarity mm. with it it's it's something oh i recognize that it's a pig in blanket but actually it tastes different and actually then you start it's then the conversation around the table that it's that foodie moment that is magical at Christmas. And I think that's the magic of Christmas food. It takes you back to memories of Christmases ago. It, you know, no, getting, it almost no, a bit Christmas no, 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 Well, that's, it's a lovely thought, but you just don't want to go back to my childhood. No, you really don't. No, no, you really okay. don't. But no. actually, I do think they were not three bird places. pigs in blankets um, sound delicious. Yes. Well, you can obviously have those. I'm going to have those. Has there been anything that you have invented, with or without the help of Mr. Cheese, mm. Heston Cheese Blumenthal, mm. as you <laughs> now call him, that has been a total disaster? Oh, total disaster. Was there something that you thought that's going to be great and actually it just tasted like socks <laughs> um it's a good question i think the, the the thing is is that we you know we take 18 months to develop a christmas range within the team so there are going to be always things that you go this is a great idea on paper but is it actually going to work and there are those moments where you go actually that's not quite right the levels of, of the recipe aren't quite right but that's why we're constantly evolving our recipes constantly working with our producers to give our customers an even better mince pie or Christmas pudding or Yule log because we never stop. We're constantly thinking about That's making sure... That's a very sure diplomatic really answer. You are I'm a very, saying we are always brilliant. You're always brilliant. <laughs> okay, we've understood. Thank you, Will. Thank it you, Will. lovely talking to you. I, I'm sure we'll speak again next year. Yes, perfect. Yes, absolutely. When you'll have invented something else. Yeah. Hopefully not too cheesy. Maybe a baked potato with smoked salmon. Oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Will. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you both. Thank you. That was Will Torrent, Senior Brand Development Chef at Waitrose and Partners. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Fine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. <laughs>